Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Research. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At the Said Business School. I'm Julie Coleman, Chief Research Officer for Cantor. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about transforming marketing in a traditional organization. And indeed, we're going to, um, with our guests, talk about an organization that's very steeped in tradition uh, because we're talking about Oxford University Press. And we're joined by Sarah Ulch, who's the Global Director of Marketing for OUP. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. Maybe start off with just a little bit about OUP and sort of that steeped in tradition aspect that you know is being transformed. OUP is... Um an organization uh, over 500 years old. So as far as legacy, as far as traditional firms, it's as traditional as you get. And I think the first book that was published in Oxford was about 1487. So this takes us, you know, way, way, way back. Most people know OUP through the work of the dictionaries. We started to work on the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, in 1884, and then expanded it globally. Um, What most people don't know about the press. They're usually quite surprised when we talk about the scale of the operations today. So there's about 6,000 employees. We sell uh, product and services uh, globally in about 190 different countries in 40 different languages. So it's a pretty broad um, organization. And we have a very broad customer ranging from sort of pre-primary uh, school children, right through to secondary, through to adult, right through to the casual reader or learner um, or researcher. That's the sort of broad outline of, of the organization that's grown up over hun- literally hundreds of years. 
Well, that's amazing. So, you know, when you have when you're covering that broad a spectrum of both products and customers that you serve, you know, how have you been operating you know, up to today, and how are you transforming that operation to try to be ready for tomorrow? We've grown over time, um, and we had a really, really big international expansion. So, as I said, we've got mm-hmm. teams and offices and publishers working in multiple different locations around the world. So, this means as things have grown and evolved, that the processes, traditions. Uh, publishing has grown in sort of areas uh, around the world. And I think now we're at a point where we see the opportunity here with data, with technology, specifically that available to us in marketing, that it's kind of a great leveler. We can sort of draw communities that are based, you know, out in uh, territory closer uh, to what we're doing. And we're actually a pretty tight-knit community, actually, at OUP. We work very, very closely with our colleagues in region. And what we've discovered is that we have so much in common under this uh, great, great brand. And working together to uh, work across our marketing channels, work across technology, work across and share data, it really, really helps us drive impact in our markets. So let, let, let's talk a little bit about the technology side of things, because, you know, 500 years ago um, would have been different. Uh, five years ago, it was different. Yeah. Uh, maybe five months ago, it yeah. was different. So <laughs> so what's what's changing in terms of the marketing operations, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, I think even before we get to the marketing operations, I think thinking about the user, thinking about the customer, I mean, when I first started marketing, you know, over 20 years ago, uh, it is a completely radically different place than it is today. And, you know, the really important thing is that you you learn as you go along, as you shape your career. And I think when we think about the user, the reader, you know, we've had the advent of, you know, Google, uh, Amazon, reading devices. So reading and um, engagement habits have changed quite considerably over the last five years and they continue to change at rapid pace um, so what we know is that you know certainly in in segments of our markets people are reading less they're engaging with multimedia rich multimedia much much more and they are typically time poor as well so you know it's really thinking about how does a publisher sort of understand what those market conditions are and how do they evolve their product their service how do they realize the value of their intellectual property in into these channels. And so, you know, that poses some unique challenges for marketers. When we think about, you know, all the channels, any publisher today is, you know, with all the noise that is going on because anyone can publish anything from any destination or any phone. So, you know, how do you get above the fray? How do you get heard in this uh, in this noise? And I think, you know, you have to be really strategic about how you do that in terms of how you understand who your customer is, how you serve up relevant offers to them. And that's really predicated a lot on what do you know about your customer? You know, what do you know about their habits, their usage? How can you serve up an experience, a reading experience, a content experience, a in teaching, a professional development experience that is relevant to them and targeted them and, and, and useful and one that is seamless? Because what we also know about our customers and all of our you know personal experiences, our demands and as a consumer, we expect so much more from firms <laughs> today than we did five years ago. So if you're laying on an event, uh, a book launch or professional de- development for a teacher, you know, it really has to be well put together, well thought through, sort of pre-event, event, 
post-event and it all has to work seamlessly. But the foundations of that are how you think about your data sets. How do you think about your technology? How do you get the tools talking to one another in these sort of uh, stacks that as a traditional firm, you know, may have grown and evolved separately over time. And now you need to bring them together because you do need that overview of your customer, the kind of, you know, holy grail 360 of, of your customer and how they experience your brand and how you want them to experience it. So for OUP, is the brand, is it OUP or is the brand that you are trying to create that experience around, is it more about the titles and the various service lines or, or product lines that you offer? I'm trying, but I guess what I'm trying to understand is how seamless does it need to be? <laughs> you know, we operate as Oxford University Press and that encompasses everything that we do in the educational space and everything that we do in the research space. That is our, our brand. And we draw down on our brand in those areas where we need it, where it's you know innovation in our research, where it's sort of proof of impact impact and the way that we can reach broad communities um, and improve teachers' lives on the education side of things. So we do have a very broad brand that covers those, those principles. But, you know, within that, we've got a stable of many, many different products, ranging from pre-primary picture books right through <laughs> to digitally readable uh, research articles. But what we try and think about, I think a lot of publishers are grappling with this, we try and think that the, the unit of a book is not the only currency for a publishing house, right? Mm -hmm. It's about what is that content? It might be just a definition in our case, or it might be a research article, or it might be a chapter. What is that, that, that unit of content? And how can we get it out into any channel so that a customer, whatever they're doing, if they're on the bus, they're going to the school that they work at and they want to catch on, on some, some teaching practice or tips, they can do that as they're doing it. We want to be able to be in a position to offer that up to suit people's lifestyles and the way that they work and the way that they want to learn. We do that all within under the umbrella of the brand. And of course, we are a department of the University of Oxford and we're a mission-based organization. So so like the university, we, we believe in the transformative power of, of education and its ability to improve people's lives and, and situations. How does marketing then think about in all of these different sort of product categories, user types? You know, it sounds overwhelming, actually, because unlike most organizations where it's a maybe not a narrowly defined audience or, or target, it, it is defined and quite narrow relative to yours. And so how does this then work out? Because all of these different pieces of content, service offerings, digital around that, you know, there's a lot to be done for, say, the five-year-old versus the, you know, 55-year-old professor. You have to think about it in, in categories. And I think one of the ways that I look at it is that we think about our products and services in a way that we um, offer those to a structured learning environment. That structured learning might be at home, but it also might be in school, but it might be via online tutoring. So what we do is work with partners, whether they're distributors, whether they're chains of schools, whether they're research institutes, to work through their channels to reach those mm -hmm. um, customers and end users. And there's some really, really interesting developments happening at the moment. When we think about, you know, children are learning 
learning much younger, much, much younger. You'd be surprised about the age in which uh, children are learning. And there are arguments, you know, is that right or not? And uh, I think that's that's for another another debate. But what we what is really interesting is thinking about, you know, within that structured learning environment, you know, what is the relationship between the institution, the parent, the student, the teacher? How can OUP positively influence that and serve up information for the relevant needs of those each of those constituents that they are self-reinforcing they support each other how can you create that ecosystem and I think one of the things that's really helpful and uh, and wonderful as a marketer at OUP is that we have amazing communities of users these are communities that are passionate about teaching these are communities that love language these are communities that live to do research and we as a brand, as an organization, at the focal of that. And we're mm-hmm. able to connect and build and allow peer-to-peer conversations, which is which is really, really exciting. So in some ways, we're really fortunate as marketers. We've got a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can use those communities, those communities of influencers, those communities of experts, to help us get information about products and services out there. But there's a technology point here, too. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's it all, it all goes back to that. And there's data points, too. But let's, in terms the technology we really have to again understand more and more about your customer how are they using your products how are they engaging with your product what's their usage statistics and and i mean that not in the creepy way like following everything they're doing i mean it in terms of is this information useful to someone and if it is well maybe they'll also find this other information useful how do we serve that up in a more seamless way and that's where we get a little bit more scientific about how we analyze behavior and use you know are there things for example that the teacher does today in the classroom those sort of rote tasks that they might or may or may not dread doing like marking for example mm-hmm. how can we make that easier for them and you know how do we and allow them to do the higher value work you know mm-hmm. the exciting sort of you know cerebral work that they would do in the classroom and so we sort of look at analytics to sort of look at those kind of behavior things and then try and create better experiences or tools for teachers and educators it would be very simple for me to say that, oh, you know, we, we have lots of data on customers, we have lots of communities. But as a big organization, any other large firm, any other traditional firm where you've grown up over time, you're going to have a lot of tools, you're mm-hmm. going to have a lot of technology. <laughs> it might not speak uh, to, to one another. And the important thing is to work to a place of simplification so that you can grow, but you can also create something that is adaptable, that is scalable, um, and a model that you can replicate in lots of different territories. And I think that's where we're at today uh, at OUP, where we look to our future, what things are going to look like in five years' time, and how we develop those. So as you say, you're going through the process of trying to bring all of these strands together, all of your the legacy technology systems that you've got from the different territories and the different service lines and all of the different places. What's that process, what's that journey been like for you and what's been most important in terms of making that successful? I think it's a it's a journey of discovery. I mean, I think it's also understanding, yes, technology and data are great levelers, but it's also understanding, you know, why regions or uh, why territories do things sometimes differently and why they've evolved differently. And it's really getting under the skin of that, really, really understanding that. So when you do start to link together your technology stack, you, you know, don't create a world of exceptions, but you create a world that allows you to be flexible, to cater for needs, whether that's WeChat in China or a different type of support in Brazil, whether it's 
it's um, what's that for business over there, you know, and, and you, you get a sense of how you can build that, but based on how your customers like. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. To be talked to or the channels that they use. So you have to bake in some flexibility. So I view it very much, and this is a personal view, that you have a core set of tools that you would coalesce around, you know, ideally. But on top of that, you would have some sort of best in breed edge tools that you might put around the outside that allow you to do things uh, differently or allow you to to do um, different types of activity uh, where some of the big players in, in, in the tech martech space, um, they'll either acquire it or, or, or build it over time. And I see that very much when you look at uh, developments with AI, when you think about what that means for marketers in the future, you know, what that means about sort of copy, about uh, reports, analysis that will be run, you know, automatically for you. And what does that mean, um, you know, if you're a marketer and, and how can you uh, embrace that, certainly as a publisher as well? So is that automation aspect where it's headed? So if we're thinking five years from now, what else is on the way or that you're laying the, the groundwork for at the moment? Well, I think the automation piece is really, really important on a very, very basic level. I think, and I make an assumption here, that there are a lot of marketers that do a lot of, of manual data reconciliation. There's a lot of marketers that you know, know that they want to create this experience this seamless experience for their customers, but they know that they've got to do some some basic data hygiene to adhere to things like um, GDPR policy um, to protect the identity of your customers and manage that effectively. So I think you know automation is really important to stop that sort of low level um, manual work which allows you to do some more higher level creative work. I think that AI will help that. I don't think we're there yet to see how that will play out for us. But I think automation is where it's going. But I still think that even in a highly automated marketing um, department function, you need such an active uh, level of creative, you know, to ask those questions, those sort of what if questions, what if I was, we could do this, what if we could do that, and get the tools and the data to work for you. I mean, that's, that's the way around that you, you ideally like to operate. So is your transformation from a more traditional marketing organization to the organization of the future, is that just driven by being able to bring your technology together or improvements in your technology stack? Or is there something beyond that? I think that's just one element. And I almost put it sort of lower down the sort of totem pole, as it <laughs> were, because I think it's, it's actually people, it's process, 
and then it's tech. And I would put it in that order, actually. Focusing in a little bit on the people side of things, the talent side of things, we have gone through a process, certainly in the English language teaching uh, area where I where I work, of building a set of capabilities and skills within the, the marketing team. A multi-generational marketing team that are doing really, really exciting things, but getting those skill set levels up to a level where they can embrace, you know, the data, the technology and apply their brilliant experience and creative minds to to the work. And it's also, it's a mindset thing. It's about being in a growth mindset. It's about asking the questions, what if we could do it this way? You know, rather than sort of just doing the 10%, let's just improve this a little bit. Let's just do this little <laughs> tweak over here. We'll get 10%, you know, increase of that. Actually, what would it take to do that by 10 times? Mm-hmm. You know, and I've seen some truly outstanding ideas come from that, from all areas within the marketing team. Great ideas around, well, what would it look like if we were to teach, deliver professional development, teach a training to the whole world over a 34 hour period what would that look like you know (laughs) how many teachers could we deliver this to and and these are the kind of ideas that are coming up and this is what's happening and we're using technology and data to enable that but that's not the driver it's the idea and the passion to do it and you know what we see through a campaign like that is you know we deliver this professional development teacher training over 34 hours across multiple different time zones but we're hitting and reaching teachers you know in really tough situations Mm -hmm. that are delivering and doing the best they can and we're giving them tools to help improve the outcomes for their classes and the individuals that they teach and that sort of takes us back to that mission-based situation so those are the kind of things so I'd start with people and then we move on to processes well you know (laughs) not quite as exciting sounding but completely important to think about what are your as is processes today what do they need to look like in five years time and how do you bridge the gap what are you going to drop you know we went through a process in my team of mapping all of the processes the marketing processes and that was hard work you know we looked at where where were there redundant steps what things could be just dropped and i asked the question every single time what is the net effect of this process? What? How does this improve <laughs> the customer's experience? How does this improve uh, your your experience as a member of staff? And if we didn't know the answer, then that raised real red flags. And, and you know, that was a process worth hacking. And so we looked at that, and that sort of influences what kind of technology and tools you're going to use, of course. Mm-hmm. And then going on, and we've talked a little bit about technology and tools, but then you go into that arena and you think, okay, we know what we want to deliver. We have these ideas. We've got the process. How do we then map on that technology to help really scale it and grow it and build it and enable those ideas? That's the sort of method I've worked through with my with my team. And it's been (laughs) it's been a fun and interesting journey. (laughs) (laughs) That's a diplomatic way of putting it. Um, it, it, To me, it sounds like you also therefore need sort of an overarching culture shift, because what you've been describing here is really about disrupting business as usual. or business as it's been done, so Mm -hmm. to speak, but in a positive way and with a growth mindset, as you mentioned. So how do you do that? Obviously, it's not going to be done overnight. How long has it been taking? Where are you at on that journey? And what are some of the sort of tangible things that you and and other uh, leaders in the business have done to get people into that new mindset and shift the paradigm? One of the things is really, it's creating a framework in which people can operate and, and people know what that framework is. But it also allows that white space in the middle of that framework to give permission. I know it sounds odd, but permission to 
to experiment, right? Mm. And to say, try something, try that 10 times thinking, try that idea within this framework and, and see what happens. And I think over time, it gives people confidence. And when they start to learn and see what others are doing on the team and ideas people have or want to be part of that, that really does grow. And it reaches a point where there's great momentum um, behind it. And that's really exciting, actually. But it it's an organic thing. I don't think you can force that kind mm. of thing. I certainly want it, wouldn't want it forced upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's something that you have to allow to grow and you have to allow your employees and you, to feel safe to experiment, to try and sometimes to fail, mm-hmm. but always learn from those failures and grow uh, from that. But to manage as a leader and as a manager that you manage the risk of that, right? Um, and that you make sure that you do things that, you know, if they're working and you can you can really check in how they're working now in terms of data and analytics, you know in real time whether that campaign is hitting the right buttons, it's getting the right kind of engagement on social. And if it's not, knowing when to stop it, move on, try something different. But it's also knowing how to share that information and being really mm-hmm. oversharing that with the community at work mm-hmm. and actually applauding the success of others and, and celebrating that. And it's not just a marketing thing. That's that's for every function at a firm to do and work cross-functionally to do. And I think, you know, we've come a long way there. But we're also, as I said before, we're really lucky. We have amazing communities of users and customers at OUP. So that does mm-hmm. provide us with that momentum, that excitement, and makes, I think, makes our job that much more enjoyable. You know, it's interesting because... Yeah, you're talking about a pretty major shift from a very old-fashioned or traditional way of doing marketing to, you know, being much more digital, being much more real-time, being much more responsive, et cetera. And you've talked much more about the mindset shift that you've driven as opposed to fundamentally changing people's skill set. You've said technology was important, but it's an enabler. It's the first time I've had one. Of, I've been in one of these conversations where there was so much more focus on mindset than it was on having digital skills. I find that quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think the two go hand in hand. They have to, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a fantastic, you know, mindset, a growth mindset, but actually, that that will encourage you to learn new things, acquire new mm-hmm. skills. My view is very much, and I guess it's because I'm in the world of education. That's, you know, and it's something I feel very, very passionately about myself. Is that you must be in a situation where you continue to evolve and learn as an individual. And we spend most of our time at work and with our own teams. And, you know, we're fortunate again at OUP to have an environment which encourages learning and growth. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, you can have the best ideas in the world, the most transformative ideas. But if you don't shape the path well for your teams and your colleagues and your workmates, it's not going to achieve the things that you, you need to achieve. It, it is really about mindset and culture, mm. um, going back to that old, mm. old adage. <laughs> so transformation sounds like something that has a beginning and an end. However, I think often for business, no, it's not that. It's an ongoing process, but how do you keep that fresh and look at what needs to be done next? For us and for the team, it's always about actually focusing i it's very very um well documented but it's really worked for us focusing on those end users the learners the users if you are not out in market talking to customers whatever level you are you're not going to learn anything and you're not going to be able to create that framework and evolve that so so that is sort of a number one uh, rule and of course our customers and learners and educators and schools and researchers are changing every day the way that they they do things so so that's really really important so so that's mm-hmm. rule number one i think being data informed is obviously really important in this 
we also need to think about that transition from products to services to experiences and making that seamless. And, and we are on a journey there at, at OUP. And for us also, it's about how we engage and lead and interact with our fantastic communities. And that's going to shape how you respond and how you market and how you grow that. And really, actually, something I think possibly unique to OUP is we've got a brand that's really, really important. It's very, very old, but it's always also very forward looking. And we over years, you know, we've built trust because we deliver. We do the things that we say we're going to deliver. We have the same sort of integrity there as the university. And I think carrying that forward in a world where anyone can publish anything, <laughs> anytime, that's really important. How do we take that forward in, in, in a digital setting? So that sort of helps, keeps you on your toes <laughs> as, a, as a marketing director. And I think above all, it's about, I think, being bold and trying different things. And I think uh, a few years ago when I was in New York, I remember the New York Times was going through a radical shift, you know, in terms of digitizing content. The whole uh, industry had been turned upside down and they did some really fantastic experimental things. And I was really in awe of the team. Some things worked, some things didn't. I think one of the documents I read, which sums things up, I think, so beautifully, is that they said um, to do nothing or to be timid in imagining the future would mean being left behind. And it's always sort of been in the back of my mind. I think it's a fair thing to say. So we're a, a firm with 500 years of history, and we need to accelerate that to increase our uh, relevancy, our use, our engagement, our impact on communities for another 500 years. episodes and more information visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released thank you Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.